economic releases affecting fixed income yields. Insights into sectors influencing fixed income securities. How AAM plans to capitalize on these themes for your fixed income portfolio. The Portfolio Fix is a podcast series featuring members of AAM's investment and portfolio management team. We will discuss the timely issues affecting the fixed income investments of our insurance clients. Welcome to another episode of the Portfolio Fix, a podcast series from AAM. My name is Patrick McGeever. Today we'll be speaking with Senior Corporate Credit Analyst Mike Ashley, who will provide his views on the retail segment and the strength of the consumer. Uh, before we get to Mike, though, we wanted to speak with Marco Bravo to get his take on the economy. So welcome, Marco. Thanks, Pat. Um, we want to get to the recent data on housing, manufacturing, and, and employment. But before we get there, I wanted to get your take on the Treasury yield curve. Um, the last time we spoke was back on October 30th. Since that time, we've had an election. COVID cases have been spiking. There's been additional economic lockdowns. Uh, We've had several positive vaccine breakthroughs. Uh, Despite all this uh, seemingly market-moving information, uh, Treasury yields have barely budged. Uh, What's your take on this? Well, it is interesting. Uh, You you look at how well risk assets have performed, uh, equities, credit, high-yield credit, and one would expect treasury yields to move higher as these risk assets um, have done well. Um, but what we've seen, uh, what, it, what it appears is that the market is kind of looking past the increase in COVID cases and uh, increased government-imposed shutdowns and looking forward to the positive vaccine news and the potential for the economy to be back to normal sooner rather than later. While on the Treasury side, you know, there's no indication yet that the Fed is going to change its stance. Um, they expect we expect the Fed to maintain rates in the zero to a quarter basis point level uh, and for the Fed to continue to purchase treasuries and mortgages. And we think that has a big impact as to why uh, the Treasury yield curve really hasn't moved uh, like one would have expected given the move in other asset classes. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Um, so let's move on to one of the healthiest segments of the industry, housing. Uh, we've received a number of housing data points in the past week. Uh, what's been your, or what did you learn from uh, the data? Yeah, absolutely. The housing sector you know, continues to be a very bright spot for the U.S. economy. Uh, and that's important because the housing sector, when we have a strong housing sector, that means more jobs, uh, more spending by consumers. And uh, given the data, we expect housing to, again, contribute positively to fourth quarter uh, GDP. And, and some of that data includes uh, housing starts were released last week, and it's a measure of new home construction. Uh, housing starts in October increased by just under 5% to an annualized rate of 1.5 million units. And that number is only about 5% below the recent pre-COVID high. 
and we would expect new home construction to continue to trend higher as demand for housing continues to be supported by uh, low mortgage rates, uh, favorable demographics, and increased demand for uh, suburban homes. And all this uh, helps explain why confidence among home builders is at a, a record high. Uh, we saw that data come in last week as well. Uh, and strong demand for housing is leading to higher home prices. Today, the S&P CoreLogic Index showed that home prices in the month of September were up 1.3%. And over the last 12 months, are up 6.6%. And just to put some perspective there, um, if you go back 12 months ago, the year-over-year change in home prices uh, was running at about a 2% level. So strong demand leading to uh, increase in, in uh, home prices. Uh, and we're not expecting housing demand to really fall off the cliff anytime soon as uh, we expect the Fed to continue buying mortgages, I mentioned earlier, uh, which will keep mortgage rates low. Uh, and most recently, we saw permits for single-family houses rise to their highest level since 2007. So um, according to the survey of home builders, really the only thing holding back new home construction today is limited supply of construction materials. Uh, so again, housing continues to be strong and uh, we think it will uh, continue in the months ahead. Okay. Um, has the strength in the housing industry spilled over to uh, manufacturing or industrial production? I'm, I'm guessing maybe some durable goods used in homes maybe getting a tailwind by the housing strength. Yeah, that's exactly right, Pat. What, what we saw in the third quarter was consumer spending was heavily skewed towards uh, durable goods versus services um, and that strong demand for uh, big ticket items has led to inventory shortages so uh, production is is playing catch-up right now and also implies that production should continue at a, at a fairly healthy clip uh, going forward there's obviously risks uh, around that and and most recently the, the surge in COVID-19 cases and uh, the potential for reduced demand. Um, although we think that you know, services-related spending uh, will suffer more than uh, spending on goods. Uh, I'll also you know, point out capacity utilization uh, moved slightly higher, but remains below its long-term average. And that's important when, uh, as we think about potential inflation uh, pressures and with um, utilization rates remaining low, uh, there's very little pressure on inflation in the near term. Okay. Um, as I pointed out earlier, uh, Mike Ashley is going to speak next about uh, retail and the consumer. Um, obviously, employment affects both of those. So uh, what have you learned about um, employment over the last week? Did we get any data? Well, on a weekly basis, we get initial unemployment claims. So these are individuals that are filing unemployment benefits for the first time. And last week we did see that number move higher. Uh, it, it had been you know, trending lower, uh, but the increase 
our understanding was mostly due to the hurricane that hit mm. Louisiana. Having said that, though, uh, you know, we are seeing more state imposed restrictions on activity due to the rise in COVID cases, uh, which most likely will result in uh, more job layoffs uh, in the coming months. So it won't surprise us if we see initial unemployment claims, um, you know, remain at the current level or even move higher, which uh, obviously would be a, a negative for, for consumer spending. Um, continuing claims, and that's a number that's released weekly as well, and that represents the total number of individuals that are claiming um, unemployment benefits on an ongoing basis. That number has steadily come down and most recently stood at 6.4 million. Um, now that's come down, but it's still well above the 1.7 million level where that number was, was at pre-COVID. So the labor market still has a lot of healing left to do, uh, but on, on the positive side, the, the prospects of a vaccine uh, will go a long way to getting us back to uh, pre-COVID levels. Okay, well, that's a, uh, a relatively positive view of the economy right now, so uh, we appreciate your thoughts, Marco. Um, hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Same to you and your family. Great. Next, we're joined by Mike Ashley, our senior corporate credit analyst, who's going to speak with us about the retail sector and provide his views on the upcoming holiday season. So, welcome, Mike. Hey, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing well. And yourself? Good, thanks. Good. Thanks for joining us. Um, of course. It's, it's always challenging to forecast financial data, uh, but the situation we're in right now makes it even more difficult. So, I thought we would just get to the basics here. Uh, as you've told us before, the most critical item to consider when evaluating the retail segment is the consumer. So uh, maybe you can spend a minute telling us uh, how the consumer is doing in this environment. Yeah, of course. I, we think the state of the consumer is the most important factor when we're thinking about holiday retail sales. Uh, especially this year, it's been difficult just given, uh, of course, what's happened with COVID-19. Uh, we look at several factors, um, economic indicators and other things that kind of help us guide um, to where the consumer is today. And when we look at things like the Michigan confidence numbers and uh, the non-farm non payroll numbers, where of course we're seeing dips in March timeframe um, when COVID hit and things shut down. But uh, what we're getting more comfort with is that we're seeing a leveling off or an, even an improvement in some situations. So a couple of the things that we're focused on is uh, savings rate, which has just been skyrocketing this year and we're currently at around 15%, which is twice the normal rate. And this has generated a tremendous amount of excess uh, savings that could be used uh, for uh, things like credit card debt. And in fact, we've seen credit card debt balances have really fallen off and are now uh, well below where they were, let's say, four years ago or so. Okay. Um, so 
we've built up that excess savings. We think that helps with spending that we've seen um, with um, the uh, uh, retail uh, numbers that come out every month. We've seen good improving numbers and uh, we think that'll help during the holiday season. Okay. Um, so it sounds like the consumer is doing relatively well giving given the challenges um what's driving the the increased savings rate that you just talked about well we're, we um definitely saw some of the stimulus uh from the government those paychecks have been put in the pockets of uh, households and um, again they're either holding on to them and building up their savings or they're using it to pay down debt um a couple other things too that are helping the situation and kind of bode well for spending in november and december are the the stock market the numbers there mm. are huge yeah. s p is up you know somewhere around 12 percent year to date the nasdaq is up 32 percent somewhere around there so really strong numbers um and the other thing too are people what we'll call lost experiences spend, um, including some of the service items that people typically spend on. Things like uh, going to get your hair cut or um, getting on an airplane and going on vacation or childcare. Those things have not been used, so therefore they're being uh, built up um, and, and probably reflected somewhat in savings rate okay but uh bode, bode well for spending on things like you know the new xbox or the new iphone or uh, new furnishings for your your house that you're at more than you usually have been before mm. so that could bode well for that those kind of spending items um this holiday season okay uh when i went back and listened to our our podcast from last year at this time um one thing that I learned was how correlated back to school sales are with holiday sales. So, um, how were holiday sales or how were back to school sales this fall, given how weird it's been? And uh, what do you think that means for for holiday sales? And or is there anything we should interpret from it? Yeah, sure. That's that's always something that we consider and we look back. 20 plus years at the numbers and they if you saw a graph of uh, back to school versus um, holiday sales so back to school meaning august september and we we look at the holiday sales as november december they're they look like they're almost on top of each other and in fact uh, last year 2019 um, both those were up positive 4.1 percent um, this year, 2020, as I talked about uh, a little bit before, we've seen good numbers. Um, the advanced retail sales number that comes from the Census Bureau is a, a good way to look at different categories of the retail sector, and uh, that's something that we focus on. Uh, anyway, the um, the back-to-school numbers for this, this year were positive 10.3%, which is kind of off the charts uh, versus a long history of numbers so you know how correlated will they be with this year you know they're going to be off a bit we don't expect holiday sales to be up that much 
but uh, we do expect them to be positive in the mid single digit area. So we, we think there'll be a correlation there. Um, we saw, you know, good numbers in October as well. So we think that it's going to be uh, a good November and December. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, so I'm not sure what your neighborhood is like, but mine is absolutely full of Amazon trucks all the time. Uh, there's a real good chance that if you back out of your driveway, you're going to get T-boned by an Amazon delivery truck. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's crazy. So I guess my question is, how are uh, sales for, for Amazon and uh, maybe how are retail sales uh, overall excluding Amazon looking like? Yeah, um, I, I'm in the same boat. It's There are trucks uh, zooming around our neighborhood all day, all night even, mm -hmm. on the weekends. doesn't matter what day or what time, they're, they're everywhere yep. in our neighborhood. So um, that's really a function of the demand that that we're that the the retailers are seeing, and also the real push to start the holiday season early. We saw that with with Amazon um, doing their Prime Day in October. That kind of started off the bonanza of online sales and deals and so on and so forth. So all the the competing retailers have had to come in with their best deals early and the idea here is to kind of keep it at this level for a longer period of time instead of having you know everything happen um, on black friday or the two days leading to christmas they want to extend these deals um, out uh, throughout november and december to eliminate um, backups at store locations um you know we're still expect to have limited um capacity so um you know a line out the door in december could make uh could turn a lot of people away um at uh at the brick and mortar stores yeah so we're doing that and um you know even retailers most of their websites are saying order early you know we could have no one knows what's going to happen with FedEx and UPS. They're hiring like crazy. Um, we think they, they've been prepared for months for this kind of a situation. But at the end of the day, we this is a, you know, a kind of weird year uh, for a lot of reasons. But uh, it's going to be stressful and there's going to be some issues. But, uh, you know, kind of have to wait to see what happens with, with uh, the delivery system. But... Uh, so far, so good. Um, and just as far as where Amazon is heading this year, I mean, we expect overall, you know, different segments are going to do better than others. The the big box retailers are going to do better than uh, the department stores, of course. Mm -hmm. And the off-price retailers are going to do better than, you know, your your mall-based specialty uh, apparel retailer. Yeah. So we had to keep that in mind that Amazon is going to be up again. I mean, they continue to grow and they continue to be a larger part of that e-commerce business. They're running up to almost a 40, 40% 40 market share of the total e-commerce sales for retail. So hmm. they are gigantic. Um, we expect, 
you know, 30 plus kind of growth in, in uh, the fourth quarter. And if you take away even Amazon for the whole entire sector, we you know, expect something like low single digit growth in the retail sector for fourth quarter. Okay. Well, that's really informative, Mike. Uh, thanks for sharing your views on the retail segment and on the consumer. Uh, and thanks to you for listening to the Portfolio Fix. If you have any questions about what we discussed today, please reach out to your portfolio manager or contact our marketing team at aamcompany.com. During our next podcast, Marco will review key economic developments and will be joined by another member of our investment team. Thank you.